Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. We've got some stuff to get into here. Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Joe. How was uh, how was your early morning start this morning? Because I know you were up early. You bad. were up earlier than I was, but I was bad. up early too. Bad, Kyle. It was bad. I was. My daughter needed care from. The moment I woke up until right now, which is 10 a.m. recording this podcast, and I uh, had a radio spot at 7.15, I felt terrible, man. I had to wake my wife up because I the baby was just Non-stop. needing some attention this morning. Yeah, man. it was So I didn't get anything done. <laughs> well, we're getting something done here. We're going to yeah. tear Ben Solak's mock draft to shreds today, which yeah. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, there's a lot from this mock draft that he forecasted, and there's just, I think, some really interesting scenarios to dig into, and I I guess we probably should start right there at number three with the Detroit Lions. And before we get into the scenario that he brought up, which is the Panthers trading their first and second round picks this year, first and second round picks next year, and a fourth next year, uh, this year, 4-3 to get Tua. What are we just too dismissive of the idea that the Lions should just pick Tua? Like nobody's talking about that. No, they they can't. Why can't they, Kyle? This is a team that needs to win now. If you get rid of Matt Stafford, he has a thirty-two million dollar dead cap hit this year. No, you keep him and you redshirt Tua. Then you flush the third pick down the toilet for a team that needs to win now. It makes no sense. How is how is getting your quarterback for the next hopefully ten or fifteen years flushing something down the toilet? Because it's not going to be Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn's quarterback. Because they're going to be fired. Is this? Are you too much locked in on Dolphins getting no. to uh, to to not no, think not. about this as a reality? No, it's nothing to do with you know. I told Ben when I read the mock, Miami would totally match that. Mm-hmm. draft compensation he's like well yeah but the point was you know if they value both players closely why would they give that up if they can get a comparable in their eyes quarterback without the injury concerns and keep all those extra draft picks so i'm and i've told you this personally before where we've talked about it the dolphins coaching staff in 2019 built up enough trust from me that if they choose to make that decision i'm going to trust it because of the player development that we saw under in 2019, which is far and away the best coaching of players and getting more out of less than we've seen from the Dolphins in forever. So it has nothing to do with, I want the Dolphins to get Tua. I don't think Detroit, as a team who needs difference makers to save the jobs of the general manager and the head coach of the team who are in a free fall and cannot stop themselves and cannot win football games consistently and has not for three years now, they cannot afford to go another season of 4-12 and 12 or 5-11. and 11. They'll be fired, and then it won't matter that they pick Tua. They'll have done the next GM a huge favor. 
All right, so let's I, I the Bob Quinn Matt Patricia angle makes that a, a hazy situation. Now, can you would you at least admit that if those guys' jobs weren't in jeopardy, that it's a conversation worth having? Yes, because we both believe Tua can be a high level NFL starting quarterback. Yes, and if, the one you got is, I mean, how if, old is is Matt Stafford listen, now? If Detroit would have done what they should have done, which was fire Patricia this offseason. Right, you just do it, right? Yeah. Then you are sitting perfectly to start new with a new head coach and make that change. Well, hey, fire Patricia right now, hire Eric Bieniemy and draft to a tongue of Iowa. Right? I mean, Matt Stafford's but, 32 with really, I mean, the injuries are just out of control now. I mean, it's difficult because I I generally speaking think a lot of teams have a quick hook and they, they make changes just for the sake of making changes. And I'm, I'm a big, a lot of the teams that have success have continuity, but it's that whole chicken and the egg is, do they have continuity or are they good? Cause they have continuity or do they have continuity because they're good. And this is a situation <laughs> where you watch the lions and it's like, you're tripling down on a mistake that yeah. like everybody else on the outside feels like is a mistake. So why are you continuing to do that and just prolonging the situation where you have a golden opportunity to transition yeah. from Matt Stafford to a different quarterback, but you're not going to do it because you've handcuffed your GM and your head coach and they have pressure. And this is how bad teams stay bad in the NFL. That's been your sermon uh, this offseason, even into the end of the regular season about not clinging to mistakes and moving on. That's uh, it's it's a good point. Okay, so we think the Lions should draft Tua and reset, but they're not going to. And that brings in all the other players. In, my, in, in Ben's mock draft, he has the Carolina Panthers moving from seven to three and, and giving away a lot. Like I said, a one, a two, and a, f- a one and a two this year and a one, a two, and a four next year. No, it's a one and a two this year, a one and a four next year, and a two yeah, in 2022. There I mean, it is. Just a ton of stuff to go move up for Tua. Here's where I think this – okay, the trump card is always if Tua is going to be the player we think he can be, then it's going to be worth it. Here's where I have a hard time with it. Matt Rule, year one, seven-year deal. They brought him in here to build Carolina into a sustainable winner. They have holes on top of holes on this roster, right? It is it is a concerning roster. And you're going to go all in on your quarterback and get rid of all of your most meaningful assets to build up the infrastructure around that quarterback. As much as I love Tua, th- seven to three for all of that is just too much for me. I think that Carolina's in a situation where they're not ready to bring in that next quarterback right now. I'd be more... Uh, in tune with them moving back and still being able to probably get a Javon Kinlaw or one of the top four offensive tackles and a whole lot more draft capital than giving up everything to go get to it. Well, you realize what, what he did, right? This is the Carson Wentz package. Is it? Okay. Well, I guess it makes sense though. I mean, it's, it's one and two this year. The big pieces are a one the following year and a two the third year. So, the appeal here is you're not giving up. You, It's not like you're not going to have ones and twos for consecutive years. It's staggered out, so they stretched out that way. But I am in agreement with you that 
Matt Rule being a program builder and his entire, you know, that that was the theme of Dave Tepper talking about Matt Rule being the choice here is we're going to build this program and develop this program from the ground up and foundation. And it's like you think about the Philadelphia Eagles as a football team and what they were in 2016 before they made a trade to go get Carson Wentz. They didn't have the skill players that they needed, but generally speaking, that was a fairly developed roster. You know, in 2015, they went seven and nine. In 2014, they were 10 and six. The year before that, they were 10 and six. So they at least had infrastructure around them to build somewhat around a rookie quarterback. And you think about Wayne Johnson was there. Um, Kelsey was there. Jason Peters was there. Like they had pieces to work with that made it affordable and logical for them to trade Carson Wentz and make that jump. And the Eagle or the the Carolina Panthers are not that football team. They're not. And that's why I I do agree with you. I think from Carolina's perspective, that this is a hard pill to swallow for a team that's going to have to move backwards and tear down the rest of their roster. And now you can't even retool. And this is, you know what, this this reminds me of, of the Dolphins situation last year where they're, they're probably going to tear down some of their roster and get rid of some bad contracts. And the Dolphins, year one of their draft, uh, they, they really struggled to get impact players. Christian Wilkins' light came on the second half of the year, but they had a one. They traded back in the second round to get a two for this year. And then they took Michael Dieter in the third round. So it's like the Dolphins bit the bullet year one, let alone mortgage the future year one, which is what Ben has the Panthers doing. Yeah. And when I think about that Dolphins hall, I, I think I, I Dieter and, and Wilkins, they need them to become, you know, reliable starters for that, that draft to be redeemed, I think in a way. Um, but yeah, to your point, it, it was a calculated measure with, with what happened there. And obviously we need to see some really big hauls coming up and they have everything at their disposal to do that. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a second, but first remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance to get extra confidence in bed. Listen up bluechew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue bluechew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this just isn't for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package to no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay 5 bucks for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, Kyle, so Miami Dolphins time here. Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Okay, I want to get into both the trade-up for Tua and them being able to match whatever anyone offers and exceed it, and whether or not they should, or if all of that 
if the difference is good enough or okay with sitting at five and just drafting Justin Herbert. I like I like this package more for Miami more than getting rid of picks this year in the first round. Because if Miami takes the exact same package that Carolina offers and says, yeah, we'll give you the same thing, but you dropped a five, not seven. And you stay in front of the Chargers if you wanted to take a, a quarterback, Detroit. They still have three ones this year. They still have a first-round pick this year. They still have a first-round pick next year. They have two twos next year, which they could probably trade one and replace the two that they're giving in 2021. This is exactly why the Dolphins attacked this offseason and this season the way that they did, to have this surplus that they can take literally. Any, you ever play poker? Yeah, you know, big poker guy here. What What's that feeling like when you are – the chip leader you got the big stack oh. of chips and everybody else around you is chip bitches and you they took, got nothing you took me to work way with. too seriously there i mean i've never played poker i played like spades i don't know like. okay when when you are playing texas hold was a big thing when i was in high school it was a big fad for like six months and you have the big pile of chips anybody else is kind of just like they're making their bets hoping that you don't get in in the action because as soon as you get in the action you have this big surplus of chips you just throw something down that you know they're not going to match. And that's the situation that the Dolphins are in where they, if they want it, they can blot you out with a snap of the fingers. Mm-hmm. And because they have such a surplus of picks, this exact package would not impact the Dolphins at all because they still have, you know, they, they still have picks in every round that they're trading picks over with the exception of the, a 2021 fourth round pick. So that begs the question. Tua minus all of that, right? Or Justin Herbert plus all of that. And I guess you certainly probably feel better about the the injury slate entering the NFL. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, we need to address the elephant in the room, which is the Miami Herald's report from Armando Salguero today, right? Is that who's stirring up the, the just the, the the Dolphins are more inclined to draft Herbert or something? There's more interest there. What, yeah, what the, Her, Herbert's gaining some momentum in yeah, the Dolphins okay. building. Yeah, you know, this is a posturing technique with Detroit. Dolphins got to walk both sides of the tightrope here. They got to intimidate the teams behind them, mm-hmm. but they also can't be too all in on Detroit, or else Detroit's going to milk this for all it's worth. Something that's gone through my mind twice now in this discussion is this package that we're talking about to get from seven to three. Yeah. The Jets got it. Which as a refresher, 2021, one and two, 20 or 2021 and two, 2021, one and four and 2022, two. The Jets should have paid more. Yeah. What are we doing here? That was six to three, right? Yep. Uh, well, I mean, what was that? Would they get three twos? Yeah, it was three twos. Come and on. That, that, that would be the, the package I'm offering right now if I'm Miami. Yeah, I'm you can take I, the deal today, right? Yep. I will give you three twos, and you can move back two spots, which is one spot less than what the Colts did to do the exact same deal. Here's the issue. The Jets traded from where? Six, six. to three. Yeah. The teams stacked behind the Jets at the time of that deal were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
the Chicago Bears, the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders, and then the Miami Dolphins at 11. The demand immediately behind the Jets was not there. And we know as draft guys, the difference between trading back from three to six or three to 11, which is the Dolphins who at the time were the next closest team because Buffalo traded up to seven, right? From 12. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a huge difference from going from six to 11. So because the Jets were kind of on an island on the quarterback hungry teams and they just had to beat out the Broncos who were at five and might have been interested, might not have been interested. The Browns had four, so they already had a chance to pick a quarterback at one. I think the landscape behind the Jets was aided them in this this trade-up scenario where they didn't have the pressing issue of Miami's got chargers right on their ass, and the Panthers are right behind them. So I think that makes it messy. Are you okay with Herbert at five, Kyle? I wouldn't hate it. Would I love it? No, probably not. But I wouldn't hate it, and I would understand it, and I know, I know the Dolphins have had eyes on Herbert for quite some time. Uh, I think he can be a quality starting quarterback, but the lack of natural instinct out of structure concerns me. He's just not Tua, right? He's not Tua. And right. Tua, if Tua goes back and you sit there at five and pick Herbert, it's it, okay, sure, all right, right? It's different because two is in this draft. And, you know, the other angle that I've seen tossed around is that some of this discussion, and I think you have it pegged very well to about, you know, playing the Lions game a little bit. Some people are saying, well, maybe this is just a lack of comfort when it comes to the medicals uh, regarding Tua. Where do you, where do you, what do you think about that piece of it? I don't remember who said it. Uh, somebody, oh, it was Peter King. Peter King was talking to a former team doctor who said, because Tua's injuries, the the nature of Tua's injuries, that doctor told Peter King he was unsure whether he would either red flag Tua as injury prone or not, hmm. which is interesting. I think it. I I think it's a legitimate concern, and um, I I don't envy the teams that are making the decision on Tua, especially the Dolphins, because the Dolphins have been haunted by this decision that they made with Drew Brees back in 2005, which they were told his throw, he's got a shoulder injury. The laborman is throwing shoulders torn. He has a 20% chance of returning back to the player that he was before the injury. And the Dolphins took that information and passed on signing Drew Brees. And instead with Nick Saban as the head coach, in a year that they won like their last five games to finish the season like nine or nine and seven, signed Dante Culpepper. <laughs> Could you imagine with Nick Saban as the head coach, if they signed Drew Brees, what the future, yeah. what the last 15 years of this organization would have looked like versus what it actually looks like? And now you take yourself and you're in that situation again where you have a chance to pick a special player but you're concerned about percentages and medicals and red flags, and you've got to make that decision. It's a daunting task, and the Dolphins' history makes it all that much more challenging. 
And so the landscape of college and NFL football are forever changed by, <laughs> by that one decision from Miami. Yep. It's interesting also because it makes you more inclined to take that risk, right? Which is weird. It's but right. <laughs> especially because of the way the collective bargaining agreement is. We don't know what the next version of the CBA is going to look like for rookie wage scale. Mm -hmm. But the Arizona Cardinals have proved the only way taking a quarterback early handcuffs your team is if you refuse to accept that the mistake was made. Yeah. So financially, it's not impossible. You take one year's worth of cap hit with the guaranteed money on a rookie contract and you flip him. But I would take the guy who has the most physical potential and the special qualities and then try and build around it. I, I think that, and then if it doesn't work out, then two years from now, it's like where the, the bears are with, with Mitch Trubisky. Chicago should be thinking about other options, but they're not going to, or they, they don't want to. And therefore they're going to expand this problem and make it a bigger problem with this really great defense that they have in Chicago. It's a shame. Won't be the last time we get into this discussion. It's just a theme of the draft. It's a big one. The other one I want to talk to you about, Kyle, is this trade that Ben has. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving from 14 to 12, giving away a third round pick, number 73, to move up to 12 with the Colts and get, or excuse me, the Raiders, and get Jacob Eason, the quarterback from Washington. And so um, the trade piece of this is is not that interesting to me. The, the part that is interesting to me is Jacob Eason and his fit in the NFL, particularly with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did his film recently, and I wrote about him a little bit in Six Pack Thursday last week. And, you know, Jacob Eason, big rocket arm, uh, tall pocket passer. But in a lot of ways, I just don't know that there's a, a ton of fits across the league that I think make sense for him. One of them is Tampa Bay. The other ones that come to mind are like Tennessee and Pittsburgh. But I think there's a limited amount of teams that I think would really fit well with that style of passer and the way the league's trending with these mobile quarterbacks, you're just not getting, you're, you're, you're going away from the grain with investing in Jacob Eason, especially in the top 15. I, I can't really get on board with that. No, this they're getting in front of the Colts. Yeah, they're getting, so they're trading with the Raiders to get in front of the Colts. Right. But I'll just the sit there. Col at Colts are going to take, take Jacob Eason. If if right. the Colts take Jacob Eason at twelve, they saved you from yourself. <laughs> like that's fine. Go ahead, and make that pick. Right. And so, I wouldn't even take him at fourteen. Right. So that you, the trade piece of it was, was like the afterthought here. To me, what I want to I'm interested in is your thoughts on Eason and where he fits in the NFL and where his skill set is relative to what's trending in the league. Take him at forty five. And if not, oh, well. Right. If not, oh, well, there's a bunch of free agent quarterbacks. Tampa Bay, they need to figure out what they're going to do with Jameis Winston. Um, I can't see him paying him what he wants, so he's probably going to look elsewhere at the very least, which is going to open up the door for Tampa to sign, whether it's Phillip Rivers or make a low-end trade for Andy, Andy Dalton. I don't know. Like there are so many options that the Buccaneers can go with here. That's like, let's not box ourselves into a corner. And if they get a veteran quarterback, that should give them the flexibility to say, okay, well, we get it. We get a chance to add a difference maker up front 
are a difference maker onto our roster in the first round. We pick at 45. If Eason is there to groom, great. There is always going to be that dude in the draft. <laughs> Sometimes they work out. A lot of times they don't. I like Jacob Eason. I gave him a second round grade as far as his film assessment. I think he's got some really attractive qualities. But like you see guys like this every year. Every single year there is this prototype quarterback. And I don't see any reason why you would stress yourself, give up a first round pick and extra draft capital to jump one spot in front of a team in the Colts when you could feasibly do the same concept in the second round. And if you're picking them in the first round, I do think you're making a mistake, especially in the top 15. Yeah. Now you have the expectations, right? Your first right. round quarterback and all the things that go with it. I, yeah, man, I, I don't know. He just, he's bad when pressure's there. He's not going to give you anything outside of structure. He does not, not mobile always flees to the left for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's not like you just flee to the left. It's like he turns his back to the defense and loops to his left. <laughs> it's like, dude, you, you gotta take that one out of your, your repertoire because it's not effective. And he's like a slow processor And that offense was half field, high, low reads. And he couldn't get through that. I mean, you're, you got a lot of work in front of you and he's only, I mean, like you want to talk about number of throws. Yeah. I mean, this geez, man. Like, there, there's something too. I'd love to spend some time digging into like amount of college throws and you know NFL readiness and those types of things. But cool. my gosh, you just don't have any sample size from Eason. You know, he sat out a year to go from Georgia to Washington, and he didn't secure the starting job until August because of how much trouble he reportedly was having with like the speed makes of sense. his decision making. Watch the game, watch him play. It makes that, that, that I buy it completely. So. 468 career pass or no 782 career passing attempts. Yeah, That's a little more than Washington. I thought. Uh, 405 at Washington, 370 at Georgia. Okay. Or 377 at Georgia. Through seven passes in 17. All right, let's let's get through a couple more ticks here. We got a couple minutes left on all the right. show. What you got? I've, um, I've I've hijacked this conversation. You, you've exhausted uh, all your angles, huh? Yeah. Yeah. How about? Uh, what do we feel about Tristan Wirfs falling to 18? When you and I do mock drafts, there's four tackles gone in the top 10 or 11. And we had a scenario here where we had Jedrick Wills go at four. We didn't see another offensive tackle come off until Mekhi Becton went at 10. The Jets went Andrew Thomas at 11. And then we had this kind of flip-flopping with Tampa Bay and the Colts going with wide receiver and... Uh, with C.D. Lamb, and, and the Raiders picked up a corner in Christian Fulton at 14. And then we all of a sudden we get down to 18. It's like Tristan Wirfs, and it's like, oh, how do you make it this far? Like, where do you, first of all, where do you stand on the, the debate? Because it's going to come. You know this is going to come. Some people are going to want Wirfs to play inside a guard. And does that put him in a position to be this guy that has this tumble down the top 20 versus – you know, I'm of the opinion that the most likely of the top four tackles to fall would be Andrew Thomas. Uh, Kyle, I, I don't think it's that crazy to think that Wirfs is the one to fall. You mentioned that there are some people that believe that he's going to be a guard. Uh, the NFL.com guys, a lot of them are on board with that thought. Uh, Becton's the hot name right now. Uh, Andrew Thomas, I think once he clocks or, or checks in with those 35 plus inch arms next week at the combine, that that's going to move the needle for a lot of people. And so 
Werfs, I think he's got some technical work to do. And if he's viewed as a guard by the league, and I think that the NFL.com guys are very plugged in, then he could be the guy that slides. Now, I, I would say that his floor would be 18 to the Dolphins. Now, you realize Dre, Dre Harris is also a, a member of Tristan Werf's offensive guard. Oh, our Dre Harris, former uh, Kansas City Chiefs scout. Yes, he is. He is absolutely. We were talking pretty extensively about the senior bowl and, and he he feels pretty strongly he thinks he's a guard. It's not a movement that so that's what's hard for me is it, it's not because he can't move, right? That's normally why you move guys inside, like lack of length and, the, and they just don't have the feet. What do you think is what do you think his arms coming at? Uh, 33. I was going to say 30 over 33 and a half, like 33 and five eights is my estimate on his arms. I'll take the under under on that. So you think under, under 30, I think it'll be like 33, 33 and a half, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Last one for you real quick. What did you make of Ashton Davis ducking into the top 32 here? Um, does he have McKinney and Delpit go? Is he safety one off the board? He is. That's see, that's wild to me. I mean, Davis is going to run fast. He's going to appeal for teams that are looking for a true free safety, but man, he's got warts. He's not McKinney on tape. No. Uh, yeah, no, no McKinney. Yeah, no McKinney's would be the pick over Davis. Now Davis is going to fly. He's got a track background. Yeah, of course you can tell when he opens his stride, he's going to fly. You know who I really liked at safety just to, to kind of put a bow on this. I do because you texted me, but the listeners don't. Alohi Gilman from Notre Dame. Aloha to Alohi. I went I went into this season with a pretty low expectation because the last game I watched with this was the Clemson 2018 game, which was a train wreck. Just a disaster. But I, I watched four games of all 22 in Notre Dame. I watched Louisville, USC, uh, Georgia, and I don't remember what the fourth one was off the top of my head, but I was already checked. Uh, I was done at that point anyway. I'm like, this dude does everything. The only thing he doesn't do is bring you value in 20-plus yards in deep zones. But the way that they moved him, like, Joe, seriously, watch him this week. I gave him a two. Wow. He's – the USC game is very good. The Georgia game is pretty good. He missed a couple tackles there because he was trying to go for ball strips instead of securing tackles on Swift, and can't do that, right? Like, But <laughs> the USC game was so freaking good, dude. He was all over the place. Do you think safety is going to be the <clears throat> the one position where there's the most deviation from people's rankings? Of course, you know, because it's what is your priorities? What is your flavor? Yeah. Right? And everybody has their own different criteria and all the teams have their own different criteria and like sub package roles, guys like Jimmy Ward, like San Francisco with him de- potentially departing a free agency with San Francisco's cap situation they might end up taking a safety at 31 and it might be like a really specific guy. And it might not be the guy that is more of a consensus universal fits a certain kind of role guy. So yeah. uh, that's going to do it for us today on the show. We really thank you guys for tuning in, listening to the draft dudes. Tomorrow's takes on takes hashtag takes on takes with your hot take at the Joe Marino or at grinding tape or dump it in the TDM. TDN expert form for our premium subscribers. If you are not familiar, go to the draftnetwork.com slash TDN dash premium, and it will outline all the great 
things that we have at your disposal, whether it's trades in the mock draft machine, the TDN expert form, which you could chat with us and other like-minded draftniks all day long. We got some team guides coming out. We got some stuff in production from a web development standpoint that's going to be really cool. So lots to look forward to. Check it out. Come back and see us again tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Eats Podcast.